Good morning, everybody. It's uh, good to see you again uh, for our uh, July 10th live stream. Again, uh, thanks for checking in at Calamo. You know, I'm, I'm super excited about trying trying this out while Sandy and I are on vacation. It's, uh, it's an interesting time. We're in a third week of a series on, uh, on the life of the Apostle Paul. And you know, no one other, other than Jesus had such a huge impact on the Christian faith. And we're basing our our uh, our message, our our talk uh, this during this time on uh, Adam Hamilton's book, The Call. And at the same time, this live streaming is a new approach, and uh, we 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 hope you like it. Uh, throw a comment in the comment box and let us know what you think. Um, and if you'd like more information on this message, you can call or text me at 517-588-8415. Or you can always use the Calmo connection card at calmochurch.org forward slash connect dash with dash Calamo. Um, or on our Facebook page. Uh, if you're seeing this on Facebook, you know where our page is. And if you're on YouTube, our Facebook page is at Calmo1953. And so again, this this uh, week we're uh, covering the third chapter, uh, which taught, which is all about God's call on the life of the Apostle Paul. And this this chapter is called "Called to Suffer," um, and we're we're only touching on the highlights, right? The, some some insights that really struck me as I I studied this chapter. And, and if and if you would like to learn more about uh, the Apostle Paul or or this chapter or anything else please reach out. I'd love to talk with you about it. So Paul's life is not only a, a dramatic story about how God's call changed a person's life, but it's an example for us. We can see how God can touch our lives. We can see how a person just like us struggled with, with his faults and his shortcomings to serve God. And, and then we see how God will bless us so many times over in spite of our shortcomings. Uh, now, in chapter 3, Adam Hamilton covers the time from Paul's return from his first missionary journey through his second missionary journey. And I'd like to, to touch on four insights uh, that occurred to me about this chapter. The one is the trap of tradition. The second is how the Holy Spirit can move us. The third one is suffering in God. And the fourth one is the nature of salvation. Now, each one of these topics could be the, the subject of a complete sermon series on its own right. So again, we're, we're just, just going to briefly touch on uh, each one of these uh, topics uh, today. Now, the first, the first of those is the trap of tradition. Well, you know, we tend to think of traditions as something that's good, right? Um, they give us a sense of stability. They, they guide us through difficult times. They connect us with our parents and what they did and, and how they behaved. And then, of course, our, our ancestors further up, up the line there. Um, but at the same time, traditions can also present a trap. A trap that, that kind of keeps us from adapting to changing situations. For instance, the the world that that my parents were born into is not the same as the world today. It it just isn't. Um, 
And so some traditions we need to treasure and other traditions, well, they, they perhaps go into the history book. Um, well, Paul was also faced with traditions of the early church when he returned from his first missionary journey. Now his, his first journey was a huge success in terms of spreading the, 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 the uh, good news of Jesus Christ. He founded many churches in non-Jewish countries, right? And, and he presented the good news of Jesus in such a powerful way that many people started following Jesus. Well, that's good news, but then it surfaced a huge problem, a problem that caused a lot of division and a lot of, lot of anxiety in the early church. Because up to this point, all Christians, all the people that followed Jesus were Jewish, because Jesus was Jewish, right? And the, the law of Moses stated that God required all males to be circumcised. Okay, it was part of God's covenant agreement with the Hebrews for them to be in the kingdom of God or to be God's people. Or, and because the, the very early church was all Jews, it, it followed that, that Christ's followers needed to be circumcised. Well, some non-Jewish men were willing to be circumcised, but that requirement was a barrier to many more. And so what it was, was it was a barrier to more people following Christ. And, and so now this created a, a major disagreement in the leaders of the early church. This is a tradition. It was called out in the Law of Moses um, God himself told Moses this is a requirement, um, but yet was it a requirement to follow Jesus? Um, and Paul made the argument that God had made a new covenant with man through Jesus. And that if you were baptized and confessed that Jesus is Lord, that you indeed then are in the kingdom of God. You are a follower of God. Paul made the point that the law of Moses had been superseded by a new covenant, the new covenant that we have in the form of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, the early church leaders came together and had a conference, and they came to agree that circumcision was not a requirement to be a follower of God, right? And and and, and, and again, that that that's a situation where. The Bible says males should be circumcised, and yet, was that what God required? And so Jesus came to us, and he, he didn't change the law, but he gave us a better interpretation of the law. And he said, I want your heart. I want you to love me. And the sign that he chose to, the outward sign that he chose instead of circumcision was baptism be baptized in water and the spirit and and uh, that is you know your commitment to be a Christ follower and so it was a new understanding of God's requirements of us now Jesus said and 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 Paul understood that that God recognized that we humans were just plain not able to keep all of the laws of Moses and so Jesus came to show us the way and Jesus taught us that 
Jesus, and Jesus alone was the way to the kingdom of God and everlasting life. And then, of course, the, that leads us to the understanding that to follow Jesus, we need to be baptized by water and the Spirit into new life. Some people use the phrase be, to be born again, and, and that, that, is, that is correct. Um, and so, just as super, super, uh, circumcision was an outward sign that a Jewish man was dedicated to God, baptism is one way that we represent our dedication to God. And if we think about this, this tradition versus uh, a new insight, Jesus himself was an example of tradition versus a new understanding of God because the church leaders of Jesus' time, which were the Pharisees, saw Jesus as an enemy because Jesus did not follow many of the traditions of the Jewish church. Jesus had a perfect understanding of God because he was God, he is God. And so he could separate these requirements that no longer had any usefulness to God and show us the way to the kingdom of God through him. Now even today there's a, a tradition in the church that is causing great uh, disagreement and separation and, and that's the topic of human sexuality. And I'd, I'd like to just point out that as we struggle with the, this topic of human uh, human sexuality that it's really not unlike the Paul and the early church struggling with this issue of circumcision or or many other uh, topics because in the situation of, of human sexuality you know one side points to scripture and the traditions of the church against homosexuality it's written there it's it's in black and white um, but then another side points to the love of Jesus and his acts of love and forgiveness towards those people of his time that were outside the traditions. They were, they were, they, they were outcast. Um, it, and yet Jesus showed them love and forgiveness. And so we find that each side in that disagreement or that argument has valid, has valid arguments. Um, and there are other divisions in the church, um, so to keep things short, we'll just keep going on here. And so, just briefly consider these reflection questions. How has tradition or traditional beliefs shaped your thinking, either about worship, how we go to church, or in general, our, our role as Christ followers? And then. Think about the current debate of human sexuality, regardless of which side of this argument you're on, and do you see any parallels with the issues of Paul's time? The second thing I wanted to, to touch on this morning is how the Holy Spirit moves in our lives. This chapter in, in Adam Hamilton's book starts, uh, starts when well, when Paul and, and uh, Barnabas get back from the first trip, and then they, it covers uh, Paul and Silas on the second missionary trip. Now, this story starts in uh, Acts, 16, Acts chapter 16, and I, and I invite you to read it. It's, it's interesting reading. Um, in this account, Paul talks about how the Holy Spirit influenced the route of his journey. The, and, he, and he says that the Spirit stopped him from going into Asia, Mysia, and Bithynia, but led him into Macedonia. Now, 
the accounts don't tell us how the Spirit stopped him from going into those three countries. But in Acts chapter 16, verse 9, we hear of Paul having a vision. A man from Macedonia appealed to Paul to come and help them. And so this story kind of gives us some insights on how the Holy Spirit can work in our lives to guide us. We are also on a journey, and that is the journey of our lives. And you know, when we're at a crossroads of, of some kind in our lives, it's not always obvious which is the better route, right? What's the better decision? And in my life, you know, I've been at many crossroads where the better route is not at all obvious. You know, and I study and I think, and then I pray for wisdom to, to make the best choice. And you know, I have found myself wishing, God, speak up a little bit, speak louder so I can hear you, or, or maybe, you know, send a text or an email so I can read it in, in, in black and white. But God speaks to us in a quiet voice, right? And he calls on us to trust him. He, he calls on us to have a trust in him, to take life one step at a time. Now, I'm gonna say that Paul being an overachiever probably wanted to go in each one of those countries, right? But for whatever reason, God needed Paul to focus on the people of Macedonia. And so, if he had gone into those other countries, he would have been totally sidetracked from what God really wanted him to do. Now, we, I know myself for sure, you know, we feel uneasy when we're not sure that we're doing the right thing or we're going in the direction we should. But you know, I have in my life experienced a certain sense of peace when I trust in the Lord, say, you know, I'm not really sure what to do here, but I'm just going to take it one step at a time and keep praying and keep trusting God. And you know, you, you get a certain peace in your heart when you do that. You you, you kind of you, you, you kind of and and oddly enough, things work out. You know, it's it's you know, you, you sure wish you had a blueprint, but um, uh, we just we just try to make the the best decisions we can and trust in the Lord. So, so consider this, um, Adam Hamilton points out, you know, like I said, that, that the Spirit directed Paul away from that place towards that place. Can you think of times that God's Spirit has guided you in your life's journey? Or had you ever gotten in a situation and said, man, I sure wished I listened better. The third, the third uh, topic or, or insight I wanted to share was kind of like the relationship between suffering and God because I think many times we wish that as Christ followers that our life would be easy you know I, I can I can admit to that you know like yeah I'm, I'm I'd really be happy if things were a little bit easier right but when we study Paul's life we, we read about a story I mean Paul suffered a lot through his life but the one story I wanted to touch on today was it's in Acts 16, and it starts out on at verse 16. So chapter 16, verse 16. And, and the story goes on. There was a slave girl with an evil spirit, and she was doing things, and, and her master was making money out of it. And as the story goes, uh, Paul banishes this evil spirit from, from the slave girl, and he and Silas then get whipped and, 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 and uh, thrown into jail. Uh, 
for this good deed. I mean, they did a good thing, right? And then they end up suffering and they're in prison. Well, why Paul and Silas? And Silas was um, was Paul's companion on the second trip. Anyway, while they're in prison, they're singing hymns at the top of their voice and praising God at the top of their voice. And, and, and you know, you think about it, prison's not usually a place where you, you lift up your voice and sing out joyfully, at least not my understanding. Um, but what this did, it did two things in, in my mind. First, it was a witness to the other prisoners and the guards, the, Ro the, the Roman guards, uh, about their trust in God, about how in spite of their um, suffering and, and, and in spite of their adversity, they were still praising God and loving God and trusting God. And so they were making a powerful witness. And then the second thing is there's real power for our own spirits when we praise God, when we lift up our voices in song and praise God in the, in, in the midst of our adversity. Because as we do that, we're, we're drawing on that strength that we get from the Holy Companion, God's Holy Spirit, right? That Holy Companion wraps His arms around us and gives us that comfort and strength. And when we read uh, in Paul's book on uh, Philippians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, Paul reminds us to rejoice always and praise God in all things, because it does do at least those two things. Um, and so let's consider this question. Considering the story of Paul and his being, uh, being beaten and jailed for, for the, doing this good deed, can you think of times in your life that you have suffered where the power and comfort of the Holy Spirit lifted you up and gave you comfort? Or if you'd only trusted God, would have given you comfort. And the last insight I wanted to share today was how Paul thought about salvation. You know, I've talked to many people, especially around funerals, and and they think about salvation in terms of their their demise, their death. Uh, other people think about salvation when they're at somebody else's funeral. Um, and so many people, that's their concept of salvation, um, life after death. And I do believe that that's just an incredible tragedy. They are missing so much because the love of Jesus can do so much more for us in the here and the now and why we're living. So Paul saw salvation as having three parts. First, we've been, we have been saved by Christ's love uh, and sacrifice by going to the cross. Jesus went to the cross to, to save us. Jesus went to the cross to demonstrate his sacrificial love for us, to give us a model for how we can care for others. Um, and in that act, Jesus interceded for us with the Father so that as long as we trust in Jesus, we will be saved. And the second, we are saved on a daily basis in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, in the teachings of Jesus, 
because the Holy Spirit guides us, comforts us, advocates for us, and then teaches us each and every day because the teachings of Jesus have given us help. They help us to lead constructive and joyful lives. He gives us a way of living so that we can enjoy that peace in our hearts that comes from trusting him. And last, Jesus saw salvation as giving us eternal life. Now notice that's the last thing. That's not the first thing or the second thing. That's the last thing. And that's why I really think that trusting Jesus during our life is in my mind, for me personally, it's the more important thing that Jesus gives us those that guidance helps us to live um, joyful and constructive lives. He he guides us away from the the pit of our human uh, nature and helps us be better people, kinder people, more helpful people. But but again. The, the item, last item is that we, know, we don't have to fear death because Jesus has pre prepared a place for us in heaven. And so each one of these three aspects of salvation is a source of comfort. And so now for our final discussion question, Paul did see salvation in three distinct ways. We have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. And how does that compare to your thinking? Does Paul's thinking about salvation give you an even richer understanding of God's grace in Jesus Christ? Well, I hope that you found this brief summary of Paul's early life to be helpful. If you'd like more information, please reach out. You can put a comment in the, in the chat box for this post. Uh, let us know what you think. Um, you can call or text me at 517-588-8415 or you can always use the Calmo connection card at calmochurch.org forward slash connect dash with dash Calamo. I'm your neighbor Jerry, pastor at Calmo Church. Have a great day, have a great week, and bye for now.